the beach, and I actually got to watch uh, Pastor Corey as I was uh, sitting underneath a nice canopy, and I did intentionally take a picture of me watching uh, the online service, and I made sure I had some palm trees in the background uh, just just to, you know, get at Pastor Corey. It was fun. Uh, so it was, uh, it was awesome, and, uh, but one of the things that we love to do is uh, we've gone to the same beach for 12 plus years. I'm not even sure, like it might be more than that. We've been going to this same beach over and over and over again, the same resort, and what's really neat is the beach is always different. Every year, there's never the same sandbar, there's never the same, you know, one year you walk out and it's like quick, really, it gets deep really fast. But one of the things that we've learned to do, and we always try to push the envelope, is we try to get to the point where the lifeguard has to whistle at us. Like, if you give me a regulation, I'm going to push it until you, you call me on it. All right? That's just the way we're going to operate. So we try to get out there where, where you're just barely touching, and, like, waves come in, and you're like, it's, it's so much fun. And we've done this since we were young, and now we're getting further and further out. My, my, my oldest is 16. So he gets, he's, he's taller than me now. I think it's just because he has hair and I don't. Um, he, gets, he, <laughs> he gets a couple inches behind there. But I, like we get out there and we get floating around and, and we've been doing this for a while. Now the, like the little kids, so our good friends Matt and Rachel and their kids go out with us. And, uh, and it's this, this kind of adventure. And what's always interesting is when you like are out there for 20 minutes, 30 minutes just floating around, it's a lot of fun. You come out. I, this always happens. I come out of the water, and I'm like, my wife has moved all of our stuff like uh, 100 yards down the beach. I'm like, what, why did she do that? You know, I get out, and I have to walk down to her. And, I'm, and as I'm walking up to, to her, she's like, man, you look good in that swimsuit, Josh. And that's, that's in my mind. That's in my mind. Doesn't happen for real, but <laughs> in my mind, it happens. <laughs> But, uh, I, I, like, she, she didn't move. The water moved us. One of the things that was, like, so they're little guys. Uh, they, they get out there with us. And I, I was like, I'm not a great swimmer. But, like, I'm, and I have some terrifying dreams of the undertow. That's like, like, like guys, come on, get close. And they kept drifting away because I could touch. So a wave come on, I would hit the ground. And I would stay in relatively the same area. And those that were tall with me. But then the little guys would start to drift away. Like they would start to go away. And I constantly was yelling, hey, you, get over here. And the little guy kept, at one point goes, if I'm that close to you, you'll never have to save me. I'm like, that's the point. I don't want to have to save you. But that's what happens in our relationship with God. We find ourselves drifting further and further and we don't intend to. We don't mean to. But we get to the point where we're like, hey, we're just outside of his reach. We're just down. And, and here, here's where in our relationship with God, whether we intend to or not, many times we find ourselves in a position where the world has caused us to drift. We get where we're at. Where, where's God at? And it's not that God's moved. We moved. We, we, we have drifted away and we're, the time crunches and the stuff going around and us try, trying to figure out life has caused us to drift away. And that, that's really kind of the story. We, we look at Jonah and we think that Jonah is this guy that was this like absolutely terrible guy. That he was this prophet. I mean, he was the first like non-prophet prophet. 
Dad joke. Come on, somebody. I need some laughter. Just <laughs> okay. Give me the appropriate like. <laughs> there you go. We got a dad laughing at my dad joke. All right. So. <laughs> Jonah, though, we always look at it like he ran away from God as that he was some kind of evil guy. And the truth is, he turned away from God because he felt like God had turned away from him. We saw that, uh, Corey laid that out, and I'm not going to re-preach that, but what it says that Jonah chapter 1 verse 3 says, But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction away from the Lord. He went in the opposite direction. So God was calling him to go to Nineveh, and he says, Nope, I'm going to Tarshish. And he heads off in the opposite direction. Pastor Corey did an awesome job, had the maps and all of that, gave you context to, to all that. So go watch that. If you weren't here last week or you didn't get to watch it last week, go back and watch that. But we, we immediately put him in the category of evil, terrible, bad guy, rejected God. The truth is, Jonah felt like God was turning his face away from him. See, Jonah had some expectations of God. He had some expectations that the people that were doing right and were speaking for God would be blessed. And the pagans who are worshiping the evil gods and were not worshiping the true God should be cursed. But in the midst of all this, he's watching his kingdom, who's turning their back to God, be blessed. He's watching pagan kings who are to have turned their back on God and have rejected God are being blessed. And he's going, that's not right. He's disappointed by God. See, so many times we think we have doubt, and because we have doubt or disappointment in God, that we're suddenly, we, we, ha, we, ha, we connect it with disbelief. But doubt and disbelief are not the same thing. The fact that you have doubt or disappointment in God means that you believe in God. You've just, you've just put your expectations on him rather than accept his expectations for himself. And that's the problem with Jonah. Jonah is disappointed in God, and his response to the disappointment is what is wrong. But disappointment in God is not new. It's all throughout Scripture. The psalmists say it over and over again. Psalm 10 10.1 says, O Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide when I am in trouble? This is the psalmist, David, the man after God's own heart, as the New Testament calls him, is saying, God, why are you far away when I need you the most? You think it's a one-time deal? No. It's over and over. Psalm th uh, 13. Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? You've turned your face away from me. Jonah is not the first man to be disappointed in God. Psalms 44. Why do you hide your face from me? See, Jonah is going through a similar situation in that he feels that God has turned his face away from me. That scripture that we read in uh, Jonah chapter uh, 1 verse 3 says that he went in the opposite direction. The Hebrew could be translated literally, he turned his face from God. Because he felt like God had turned his face from him, just like David. He says, why do you forget our affliction and oppression? Isaiah says it in uh, Isaiah 45 verse 15. He says, truly, you are a God who hides himself. Is he talking about some pagan god? No, he identifies the god he's talking about. Oh, God of Israel, the Savior, why do you hide yourself from me? Why do you, why do you disappoint me? And this is where we can end up in our walk with God going, God, you're not operating the way I thought you should operate. My expectations were you, you would do this. 
but you didn't do it. And now I'm frustrated, I'm disappointed. And the problem is, is when we find ourselves disappointed with God, we find ourselves in a position where we need to be adjusted. Our expectations, our lives need to be adjusted. And that is what happens with Jonah. I love the story of Jonah. Because you'll even see next week uh, uh, that even after this correction, he gets misaligned again. And the, in fact, you end the book of Jonah kind of left in the air like, what happened to Jonah? Did, Jonah? did Jonah get it right? Did Jonah figure it out? I love it because all of us are in this process and this journey with God that many times we find ourselves going, ugh, disappointed in God. And then we get back on track and we're going down the road and everything's going good, but then we drift. And we need to recorrect it and readjust it. And so today I want to show you how God steps into Jonah's life and adjusts him. Some God adjustments. And in Jonah chapter 1 verse 17, it says, so Jonah has run from God. The, he's on a ship. He is, uh, there's a storm comes. Everybody's panicking. The sailors are doing all that, that they can to keep the ship afloat. And finally, it turns out that Jonah's the guy that's causing all the issues. So the sailors toss him into the sea, and everything calms down. Pastor Corey did an awesome job last week. I was about to pre-preach what he just said because it was good. But then he says, it says that the, now in verse 17, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From the inside of the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. See, the first thing I want you to understand is that when we need adjusted, God will send the adjustments we need. God will provide the environments for our adjustments. See, you, you catch in that verse, God provided the whale, the fish, the big fish, whatever, you, whatever translation you're reading. He provided it. It wasn't a, an accident. It wasn't a surprise. It was God sent the fish to swallow Jonah. God provided it. And Jonah is telling us God sent it. He created the environment that I needed to be adjusted. I, I needed some adjustment in my life. I needed to get moved. I, gotta, I needed to be redirected. So you'll find out in, at the end of chapter 2 that Jonah was on his way to Tarshish. He gets tossed over. He's put into the belly of a fish and spit out back heading towards Nineveh. See, God will give us the environments around us that will redirect us. So many times, though, we get frustrated with our environments. We're going, man, this isn't, I hate what's, what's going on. I, I hate the environment of this corona mess and this, the, 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 I hate the, the way that the media is portrayed. I hate the way that the so-and-so is talking about it. I hate, the, I, hate the, I hate my job. I hate going to work and having to work this way. I hate the, my coworker. I, and even though they have a face mask on, I don't have to look at them. I still have to hear them. <laughs> I, I hate, I hate, I hate my marriage. I hate my family, my job, I hate my work, I hate my school, I hate my, my circumstance, my environment that I'm in, I hate it. And God's going, stop hating the environment that I've provided, because it's meant to redirect you. Not only is it going to redirect us, but it's going to refine us. See, there's some things in Jonah that need to be refined. He had some ideas that need to be adjusted. And so he, re he begins to find this place, and we we're going to see that he begins to get to the place where he goes to God. He begins to pray in the belly 
of the fish. See, refinement is necessary, and God uses the environments around us to help us in our refinement. Proverbs 25, verse 4 says that remove the impurities from to remove the impurities from silver, and the sterling will be ready for the silversmith. See, we, before it can be used as silver, it has to get the impurities out of it. Malachi chapter 3, verse 3 says, He will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross, the, the stuff that needs the impurities. He will purify the Levites, refining them like gold and silver, and so that they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. I was reading, studying up on this, and I, I found a story of a, a group of women who were studying this scripture out. And one of the women said, I, I want to know what this really means. So she contacted a silversmith that did it the old-fashioned way. And she said, I just want to come watch you. She didn't tell him why or what, what the reasoning was. She just says, I want to come watch what you do, and I want to learn from what you're doing. And so she goes in, and she sits down and watches him as he takes some raw material, and he places it in a, 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 a container that he placed, then places into the middle of a flame. And she asks him, why, why, why are you doing that? Why did you put it into the middle of the flame? And he says, well, the middle of the flame is where it's the hottest and that it will burn off all the impurities. We look at our situation, we're like, it's, it's uncomfortable. Our environment isn't, it's not, I don't like it. It's not nice. It's, it's, it's not what I want it to be. And God's going, I, I need you to get in there so that I can refine you. And the woman asked him, said, well, how do you know when the silver is ready? And the silversmith says, it's easy. When I pull it out and I look at the silver, I can see my reflection. See, God is doing things in our lives and putting us in environments that are going to refine us so that when he pulls us back out of it and he looks into it, it's no longer the, the impurities and the mess-ups, but all he sees is himself. So we need to go through these, these processes and go allow ourselves to go into these environments where we can be redirected and refined. The other thing that God does is he will provide us with experiences. So he provides the fish to swallow him up and he gets him in the, an environment that he can't get out of. Jonah's stuck. You want to talk about a captured audience? There it is. And he says, you're going to be in there for three days. He doesn't say the limit. He says he ends up being there for three days and three nights. And it's while he's in there that God also, Jonah shows us that God gave him some, some, uh, some experiences that helped him. Look what Jonah says. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 2, he says, he said, I cried out. So Jonah, this is Jonah's describing his prayer. I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and, uh, and Lord, you heard me. Look at this. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. See, Jonah, reflecting back on the circumstances and the experiences that he had just gone through, doesn't blame the sailors for throwing him into the sea. He says, God, you threw me into the sea. Now, let me just pause here for a minute. Because some of you have some people in your lives who you felt tossed you overboard. They abandoned you. They, they did things that caused you harm. They put you into positions that you never wanted to be in. But you think that they were evil. But God goes, no, I'm using them 
to get you into a circumstance, an experience where you need to be redirected and refined. This is, Jonah goes, it wasn't them that threw me in. It was God that put me in these experiences. And he says, he describes them. Now, can you imagine what it must have felt like to be in that situation where the, 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 you're getting tossed over a ship's side into an ocean in the middle of a storm? And it says that he sunk to the bottom of the sea. That's an experience that would not be fun. And when I'm out in the water and the little kids get away from me, I'm freaking out because it's sunshine and I got some little waves and I'm panicking because I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to be overcome by these little tiny waves. The experience that Jonah just went through messes with our idea of what being a follower of Christ experience should be. We think our follower of Christ is coming to church. We come and we got some awesome worship team, and they're awesome. Amen? And they're worshiping, and you're going, oh, yeah. Well, that feels, whoa, got goosebumps going down. That feels so good. Right? We think that's the experience of being in the presence of God, but Jonah goes, that's not the experience I had from God. God put me into a painful situation. God put, put me in a circumstance that I wasn't happy about. See, you have to stop trying to get out of your circumstances and trying to get out of your environments and trying to fix everything around you and saying, God, what are you trying to teach me in these moments? Where are you redirecting me to? Where, what, 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 what is in me that needs refinement? See, admitting that you need refinement is what, why we named this church Authentic Church. The truest form of authenticity means that you could be wrong. Going, God, I, I, need some, I need some evaluation in my life. God, I need to know what, what do I need to be taught right now? What in this environment and these circumstances and these experiences I'm going through do I need to be taught? Stop trying to get out of it and let God teach you through it. It says, uh, see, God provides the, the environment, He provides the experiences, and then the beautiful thing is, God provides the opportunities. God provides the opportunities. It's, it's amazing what God does here. It says, and then uh, Jonah says uh, in verse 4, he says, Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. See, he feels like he's gotten to a point where he's away from God. But God is, like, I'm at the bottom of the ocean. There's no way that God can be here. And where does God, what does he find at the bottom of the ocean? God. And it says that in that moment that he thought he was so far from God is the moment that he then begins to say something that we all need to learn how to say yet. See, my circumstance and my environment and my experiences are not what I want them to be yet. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The, that verse that in the ver, uh, verse 3 says that he turned his face from God. Then here in 2.4 it says he turned his face back to God. See, this is what repentance is. He says, I'm giving, God gives you the opportunity in the midst of the circumstances to learn what it is to repent. I turn my face back to God. And then in verse 4, it says, uh, I'm sorry, verse, uh, getting uh, further down, it says, the waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. The mountains, he's talking about the mountains of the, in the ocean, the bottom of the mountains in the ocean. 
And I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. He's referencing what we would call hell. And yet you brought me, brought my life from the pit, O oh Lord my God. Yet. Yet. He gets to a place where it's total desperation. There is no, no other way out. He feels like there's nothing that can be fixed. He is stuck. And that's the moment that he realizes that the, the fish has come to get him out of that circumstance. And that what we thought, what Jonah thought was something that was going to destroy him, ends up being the moment of his salvation. I've met so many that have struggled with addiction or have things that they're dependent upon. And they get to a place of total desperation is when they realize they need God. See, you, you think your moment right now of desperation or come, you're, you're, you're stuck in a place of dependence and you're stuck is the moment that God is saying, I have freedom available to you. Freedom is available to you. It, says then, it keeps going. He says, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord my prayer, uh, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. Here, here's, Jonah just admitted his issue. Jonah just met, admitted, hey, this is the area I'm struggling with. You're allowing people who worship idols to be blessed, and the people that are serving you aren't finding that same blessing. That's not fair. That's my disappointment. He confesses his disappointment to God. And then he says, but, or yet, Yet, but I will, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. He says, in this moment, I was heading in the opposite direction and I had given up on my purpose. But now I find in this circumstance, in this environment, in this experience, that I will turn back to my purpose. See, God gives them an opportunity for repentance. An opportunity to follow after him again. An opportunity to discover that freedom can be found only in him. And then gives him the opportunity to get back on his purpose. Get back on his purpose. It says in jo uh, Jonah chapter, at the end of all this, uh, at the end of his prayer, it says, Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. The NIV says that he told the fish to vomit Jonah out. The fish is sick of Jonah. It says he got out, and then, in verse, uh, going to chapter 3, he says, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. God says to Jonah, using the exact same phrase he used in the chapter 1, again here in chapter 3, go back and do what I already called you to do. Get back on the purpose I already gave you. This time, this time, it says, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large it took three days to see it all. How many of you are nervous when you saw the tissue box up here? Yeah? You're like, man, he's got Kleenex up there. That's in we're in trouble. Do you know Kleenex is actually not what these are called? They're actually facial tissue. But Kleenex is a name brand. And they trademark something. They trademark something that when you pull one out, the next one is ready. See, this is what God was telling to Jonah. Jonah, 
You think you got too far away from me that you'd never be forgiven again, but I got more for you. Jonah, you got so far away that you thought that you would never find freedom and that you were going to die in the bottom of the ocean, but I've got a way to save you. Jonah, you got to a place that you thought that your purpose would never be lived out, but yet I've got another opportunity for you. You thought my grace was, nope, I've got more for you. I've got more for you. Your grace, my grace will never run out. My grace will never run out. See, as he says this, we've got to go back for context to understand what God is telling us through Jonah. See, through Jonah, in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Something has taken place here that we've got to grab hold of and understand. Three days and three nights. There's a parallel that the, that the, the writer of Jonah is trying to show us. In fact, it's, it's so clear. And when you write, read it in Hebrew, the, when the first time he mentions the great fish, it's written in the word that is for the male fish. But in chapter 2, when Noah or Jonah references the, the fish, he uses the female version. But at the end, when the fish vomits him out, it goes back to the male version. Why? Over and over again, there's also a parallel in the language that he uses. In my distress, in my struggle, is the word, the same literal word, that means my, my, my struggle in childbirth. The, the writer of Jonah is parale- paralleling a death and new birth. Something is being birthed out of this. It's so clear that Jesus actually uses this in Matthew chapter 12 to say, I'm going to show you something. He says, one day some teachers of religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want, to show you, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority. But Jesus replied, only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. What's this? Uh, what's, can you help me out? It says, but the only sign that I will give them is, and it says, for as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Three days and three nights. Then he goes on and says, the people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it. For they repented of their sins of preaching the, uh, at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. See, through Jonah, we get this visual that it doesn't matter how far you think you've got from God, he's still there for you. Jesus went to the cross, died for our sins, was buried in a grave for three days and three nights so that you could have an opportunity. You thought I got too far away. Nope, the opportunity's there. You thought there's no way that he would forgive me. Nope, he's still there. You thought I was so far. No, the opportunity is there for, there's still more here. Kleenex failed me. The opportunity. You think you got too far away from your purpose? 
think you got too far for God to do what you need him to do. You think you've gotten too wrapped up in your addiction or your dependency that God could never save you and give you freedom. He is here today to say there's an opportunity for you because I went to the cross and I died for your sins and I was buried so that you would have the opportunity not just to find him and turn your face to him, but that's so you could find freedom in him and so that you could live out your purpose through him. Lord Jesus, I come to you today right now thanking you for the opportunity you provide to us today. And this time, this time I turn to you. This time I'm going to move in the direction you've called me to move. Lord, right now I'm calling this church to repent. Those that are here, those that are watching online, we're taking this moment to respond to you, to the opportunity you provide. And we turn our face to you. We repent and we give you our lives. We're gonna follow after you. Lord, we thank you that you not only will save us, but you will give us freedom. And that we can overcome the dependencies that we have on this world. Lord, dependencies on relationships, dependencies on substances, dependency on, on our work, and our, our, the provision we think we provide, but it only comes from you. And Lord, we thank you that we can live out our purpose because you give us that opportunity today. In Jesus' name, amen.